seat. Welcome to Creekside. We are glad you're here this morning. Don't you guys love Tim's hair? He's got a new haircut. Doesn't that look nice? Yeah. I learned Jake, Jake actually cut it. That's cute, isn't it? Uh, just uh, a couple things. First of all, congratulations to Tyler and Megan. I saw it on Facebook, so I assume it's okay that they're expecting their first child. So. I do have a quick announcement about the land. If most of you know we got a piece of land that is just west of Jordan Creek Parkway on Ashworth. And a couple weeks ago, we decided we were going to uh, attempt to sell it. And so we, had, we formed a little committee, and we, we, uh, the committee decided, okay, we'll, we'll throw it on. We didn't list it, but we, we'll just make some calls and attempt to sell it for about 525000 And within oh, probably 24, 48 hours, we had six or seven offers on it. And we do have a uh, signed purchase agreement uh, for 570000 And um, it, it, he is... The best part is 6% commission to me, so I'm kidding. No, no, there's nothing. There's nothing. Uh, so we, we, are, we do need to vote on that. So in two weeks from, from Sunday, we're going to have a vote at 10:15. And there's a couple things about this. The reason we wanted to go this direction, there's obviously we want to use this money. Mainly, I think our goal is to pay down as much of the mortgage as we can with it, uh, lower our, our, our monthly obligations, which is going to allow us to do a, a lot more. Uh, so that's kind of the big thing. The reason we chose this offer is one, it ended up being the highest offer, and two, uh, he's paying cash, which is always a nice thing. Uh, three, he wants to close and he wants to get moving dirt even this fall, where the rest of our offers kind of want to put it off to, you know, maybe the first part of next year. So we're excited about. It. There's a lot of things to overcome with it. There's 90 to 120 days due diligence, uh, where he's got to make sure this, he can do what he wants to do with the land. So. Much to pray about, some obstacles to overcome, but we are excited. I think it's going to allow us to do a whole lot more to impact the kingdom of God. So put that on your calendar. The vote will be 1015 uh, in this room two weeks from today on the 22nd. So, Connie? Good morning. Several weeks ago, I um, presented a need to you that uh, Creekside Preschool had, and it was in the form of Bibles. Well, thank you so much for your generous response. We were able to give Bibles to each of our graduating students. And uh, I made this short video to, um, as a thank you for you all, but also that you can start to put faces to the ministry that happens down at that end of the building nine months out of the year. So thank you very much. Oh, and also, I just wanted to say, personally, Thank you as a congregation for your overwhelming support for this ministry. Um, I work with a lot of directors who work with churches and preschools, and it's not always so friendly or helpful. So thank you very much for all of your support. We can come as broken people still singing hallelujah and I love worship because because worship is not just singing right worship is when we get to enter our heart into the presence of God and, and understand that when I worship God it doesn't matter what point in life I am it doesn't matter if I came to church really in a bad mood it doesn't matter if I woke up on the wrong side of the bed it doesn't matter if I yelled at my kids this morning. It doesn't matter if I had a fight with my wife this morning. It doesn't matter if things at work are going bad. It doesn't matter if 
it just doesn't matter because we get to come into the presence of God and think about what is right with God. And when we can think about what is right with God, it puts everything into perspective, right? I mean, because all of a sudden, my life is not just about me because I think about what's right with God. And I, I love, I really appreciate, and I know a lot of people did Tim's, Tim's message last week, um, and his vulnerability, and his honesty, and, and really, he's the perfect person to lead us in that song. Because he comes before us in honesty and in brokenness, and, and we can still say hallelujah. Amen? That's awesome. I love it. Let's just pray. God, I pray that you would help me to serve well this morning. God, we love your word. We want to know your word. We want to know truth. I pray, God, that you would give us truth and that it would help us to live sane lives. We love you and we need you, God. Pray for every heart in the room. Draw us to you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you grab your Bibles, your phone, your iPad, um, if you don't have an app on there, you can just go online. Um, and just type in in the browser, Mark chapter 4, um, and, and you'll find a website to, to give you the whole thing. Um, but you can grab a Bible in front of you, um, in the seat in front of you. If you don't have one, we're going to be in the NIV um, today. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Raise your hand if, and this is primarily probably for grandparents of little kids or parents of little kids, but seriously, don't be ashamed to raise your hand um, if you've seen this movie, because honestly... Like Shrek, I've, I've seen that, I've probably secretly watched it by myself five or six times because it's funny. I, you don't need kids to laugh at kids' movies. They just make them funny these days. I remember we went to uh, the Lego movie, me and my boys, and it's like we're sitting in the back row. We always sit in the back row just in case they're misbehaving. Um, but we always sit in the back row, and <laughs> I'm like... I'm expecting them to be laughing, and I'll give them a little sympathy laugh once in a while. But it was me here, uh, Judah here, Makai here, and I start laughing, and they're like, oh, we laugh. <laughs> and they laugh, because this is a funny movie. So, just all that to say, don't be afraid to raise your hand if you're an adult uh, without little kids or don't have any association with them. Who has seen the movie Finding Nemo? Hands up. Okay, that's good. That's, a, that's good. That's a lot more than I thought. That's good. I know that Liz and Larry uh, make it a habit of watching kids' movies uh, just to keep up with their, grand, their great-grandkids now. Um, but there's a, there's a character in that, in that movie. Her name is Dory. Okay? And Dory's a little bit, um, a little bit spacey. And uh, there's a part in the movie where they lose something. They lose these goggles that they're looking for, and it falls into this deep, dark cavern. Right? And so Marlin, Nemo's dad, who's looking for him, finding Nemo, they're searching for Nemo, so they're looking for him, and he's, like, he's freaking out because these goggles have fallen into this, into this abyss, really, and it's dark, you can't see anything. And so he swims down a little bit, and the next scene, boom, he shoots back up, and he's just terrified. And then you see Dory, and she's just, just keep going down in the thing. And what she's saying is she just, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. You can do it with me. Just get, I'm just kidding, you don't have to, it's embarrassing. Um, and so, but she eventually gets to the bottom and finds the goggles. And they almost get eaten by a, a killer fish and all that, it's exciting. But she gets to the bottom. How does she get to the bottom? Because she stops focusing on all of the darkness around her. And she keeps reminding herself of her goal. 
just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And she forgets about the dangers. She forgets about the killer fish. And so she makes it to the bottom. And so in like rhythm and two times, our sermon title this morning is Just Keep Seeding, Just Keep Seeding, twice, okay? No more. It's not the sermon title, just twice, okay? And I want it two times because the first one, the top one, means something, and the second one means something else. But if we can get this this morning, we will be able to, I hope, navigate through all the junk in life, the darkness that seems to overtake us on a daily basis based on the lies that Satan feeds us. We've already established, right, that Satan is the father of all what? Lies. His native language is lie, right? And so as he lies to us and, and, and the world seems just dark and helpless and hopeless around us, it may be but just keep seeding, just keep seeding. I should go like this. You'll get that later. Okay? So that's where we're going this morning. Sanity is a word that we're going to use a lot this morning, and truth. Sanity and truth. They go together. You can't separate them. Okay? Because the definition of insanity is when we continue, and, and Satan loves no more than when you live an insane life right? People who have kids, people that have a crazy job, people that have grandkids, pretty much everybody in the room feels like life is just absolutely insane sometimes. And it means that we try to go about life getting a different result, but doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And we'll never get to the goal. We'll keep swimming down, swimming back up, swimming down, swimming back up because we're afraid. But the word sanity, if you really want to live in peace and sanity, that word means that we are able to make decisions based on the truth, right? If you really want to live a sane life, we can make decisions based on truth. So number one, just keep seeding. I want you to look at that and see it as a prayer from you to God. Not just a prayer, but you on your knees begging God. Because if he doesn't answer your prayer here, and he will. I mean, he's already given us his word, which is ultimate truth in Jesus Christ. But if he doesn't, then we're hopeless in this world. Right? So here's the prayer. God, every day, I beg you, just keep seeding truth into my life. Use your word, which you've already given us. Use other people in this community that we would seek to know with everything inside of us, that we would seek to know truth. Because truth is the only thing that works against a lie. You either believe the lie or you believe truth. So we beg him that we would seek to know truth, that we would seek to know truth in our relationships in this room, in our relationships with the people that we run into every day, that live near us, that we go to work with, that we see at school with our kids, that truth would take over our lives. My prayer for a long time now for this church has been that we would be two things. 
And I really think if we get this, we, we will embody what community is supposed to look like. But that we would be truth seekers and that we would be truth speakers. Truth seekers and truth speakers. Over the past few months, um, life for a, a lot of people in this room has not been easy. Heather and I have been a part of a lot of conversations where there's just pain. There's pain and there's suffering and there's things going on in people's lives that they just can't understand, that they're confused about. Okay, And, and in our house, when, when we've had a bad day or when, when Heather's uh, at home and she's been with the kids every day and her uh, line has blurred between sanity and insanity, right? Okay, and I, I've got to come home and enter into that and somehow not uh, fake that I, I'm, I'm like going to be in a bad mood with you, but I also don't want to be in a good mood because if I'm in a good mood, you could be like, why, why are you in a good mood? I've been with you all the kids all day. It's crazy, okay? It's hard to do, but one thing she often says to me, and I've started to catch on to this, okay? My wife is like the biggest speaker of truth into my life. She often just says to me, Nick, I need you to speak truth into my life. I just need you to speak truth to me right now because I'm having a hard time. That's my desire for this church, is that we wouldn't be afraid to go ask for people to speak truth to us, and that we wouldn't be afraid to speak truth to people. We wouldn't be afraid to let what God through Jesus has put in us just come out. And second, the second just keep seating is God's command to us, hey, I've given you my truth in my word. I've given you Jesus Christ, who is the truth. And I want you to just keep seeding in your life. Just keep seeding. Every day, all the people that you run into, scatter seeds of truth. Often, we make it so much about fear and I don't know enough. I don't have an answer for that person's hard situation. I, I, I'm not knowledgeable enough in the Bible. God says, hey, it's, it's easier than that. Right? We can't be afraid to let what... God has put in us, in the Holy Spirit, just come out. So often, I avoid letting spiritual things come out of my mouth, and they're right here, ready to just come out, but I stop them. But that's who I am. That's my identity, and I stop my identity from coming out, and so the seeds stay in, and I never spread the seed for God to water, right? So the first one, God, please just keep seeding truth into our life. The second one, God saying to us, just keep seeding, just keep seeding, just keep seeding. All right, turn. I hope you're already there. Mark 4, okay? We're going to start going through this, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun, all right? So Mark 4, verse 1, let's start. And Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat. Okay, pause for a second. Jesus, he starts on the shore, all right? He's preaching to these people. They start, I can imagine it, they start kind of fighting for a spot. Because what did Tim talk about last week? Okay, we know that Jesus is the only place for real healing to happen, right? But we understand from his word that he's not always just after our physical healing. He's after our hearts. He's always after 
our hearts. And now that Jesus has died and we have the Holy Spirit in us, that healing is right there. Right there, available and ready because he wants to heal your heart. But these people are crowding around him, wanting to touch him, wanting to be healed, okay? Because why? The people of that day, they expected, because they were under Roman persecution, they expected that their Messiah, if Jesus was really the Messiah, he's going to be the kind of Messiah that comes as a literal earthly king. And if he comes as a literal earthly king, he's going to save us from Roman oppression, right? And that often came out in the way they acted because why? All they wanted to do was get near Jesus. I can imagine them listening to his stories and then being like, Jesus, that was cool. Now heal some people. Come on, heal some people. That's why we're here. Uh, your story was just okay. It was all right. I mean, sometimes I read some of the stories in the Bible. I was like, Jesus, I could do better than that. Come on, right? And, and, and then he reminds me that I can't. But it wasn't about healing people's bodies, Healing people's bodies was just a way to get to their heart. And so this large crowd is around them, and, and Jesus gets into a boat, okay, and he just shouts really loud. I doubt they had sound systems, um, but, but he just, he talked really loud. I don't really, really know how that happened, but it happened, okay? He taught them with many things by parables, okay? Parables, if you look it up in the dictionary, it, this is the definition, a short allegorical story designed to illustrate a, uh, a, or teach some truth, religious principle, or moral lesson. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Okay? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So he goes on and he teaches them, he says this. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears, let him hear. That's crazy. I mean, like, his disciples are probably like, that's all, Jesus, this is a huge crowd. That's all you got? You're going to tell them a story that they already know is true? Because in that, in that day, agriculture was a big deal. So he's, he's essentially saying a guy went out in an untilled field. He threw some seed around. It fell on these different kinds of ground, and, and this is what happened. And they're, they're all like, oh, good story, Jesus. You're right. Good job. And then he says, he who has ears, let him hear. So he essentially tells them this story, and then he says, okay, if you get it, you get it. Boom, done. That's it, right? And so you've got two options. You seek to get it, or you just chalk it up to a good story and you walk away, right? He who has ears, let him hear. You mean, Jesus, you intentionally confusing people? You're intentionally leaving these people hanging? His disciples at that point would God be like, oh man, like we picked the wrong rabbi, right? <laughs> oh wait, he picked us. Why? Because he loved us and he wanted us to follow him. God wants to give truth 
to people. He wants to give truth to people, but he is also seeking people that want his truth. Our prayer becomes, when we seek God's truth, when we want to know God's truth, our prayer becomes this. God, please just keep seeding. Every day, give me truth. Plant truth in my life and water it. Water it, water it. Water it here. Water it here first so it gets to here and it takes root in my life because when it does, I'll be able to live based on truth. And that's sanity. God, please just keep seeding. And God will either use his word or he will use this community that people have given us. We're so often scared. Just everybody get me here, okay? This group of people, okay, will not be the kind of community that God wants us to be until we open our hearts to each other and we decide to be honest with what's going on in my life. Because I can stand up here from this platform and feed you this, but it's not going to do nearly as much good as me opening my heart to you and then you feeding truth to me based on my situation. And you open up to the person next to you and then they have an opportunity to feed you truth from God's word based on your situation. You see how that works? That's real sanity. That's real community. God wants to use us to plant truth into people's lives. I love this parable because it just tells us that he spoke to people in parables. He didn't tell them anything without using a parable. And then in this parable itself, he explains why he goes and uses parables. Okay? I love it. So listen. Verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve, the others around him asked him, about the parables, he told them, the secret, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever, ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. See, he wants people to forgive, but he also is after your heart. He's not just after your head. He's after your heart. So he wants it to go from here to here. And if you actually seek truth, it will go from here to here. And then God will use it in your life. People will receive the word of God differently. Every time we scatter seed, every time God plants the seed of his truth into people's lives... Something different is going on in every single person's life in this room. And so you're going to hear it through a different filter. You're going to receive it through a different filter. Okay? But listen to this. Jesus told them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes in, takes it away, takes away the word that was sown in them. Satan comes to steal first. Others, see, others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but they have no root. It gets here, but it never gets to here. It never gets watered. It never takes root in their heart. 
They only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like the seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. See, I don't want us to be deceived. And so many people in the church, so many people outside the church, people everywhere are deceived. And they think, okay, they think that at the moment you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you are going to be perfect, right? Well, first of all, that doesn't really um, match up with what the reality of my life says on a day-to-day basis. I can tell you this, and my wife can tell you more. I ain't perfect, right? But don't be deceived. Being a disciple of Jesus is a lifetime process. It's a lifetime process. Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit. You enter into this process that I need to be renewed every single day. And the truth can be new to me in a new way every single day. We talked uh, not too long ago about the need to, to wake up and preach the gospel to yourself, right? Because the gospel isn't only true at the moment you become a follower or a, a, a disciple or a Christian of Jesus, right? It's not only true then, it's true for all eternity, and the gospel is the only thing that can really speak healing truth into your life. So preach the gospel to yourself on a daily basis. We will never, ever, 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 ever get to the point where we are good enough, where we know enough, where we love enough. We'll never get to that point. Here's the thing. We've got a lot of different ages in this group. We've got a lot of different people that have been uh, then either Christians for a long time, or maybe you're not. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't uh, have a relationship with Jesus, and you're here. And that's all right. We are all at different maturity levels in our relationship with Jesus, right? And my prayer is that the ones who are more mature could constantly be seeding truth into the ones that are less mature. But if anyone in the room ever gets to the point where they think that they are mature enough and that God doesn't have anything left to teach them, then that, Satan sees that and he says, that's my opportunity. That's my opportunity to get into that person's life. And then he starts lying to them. And you know what the lie is? You know enough. You feel good about that lie, right? Like, hey, I I know this word really good. You know what? I went to to four years Bible school. I I know this thing pretty well. Every day, it hits me new. And the older I get, I realize how little I actually know. That's real maturity. I realize, hey, I, I don't know jack. 
I know somebody named Jack, but I don't know Jack about squat. I just wanted to say that. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> Y'all were looking at me like cryptically. I had to you gotta loosen up. All right? But our prayer becomes just keep seeding into my life, God, because I haven't arrived. And I won't until I see you face to face. And when we see Jesus face to face, we will become like him. But until then, we're sinners saved by grace on our way to heaven with hope, but also with hope to live an abundant life here, living a life of sanity, not insanity. Why? Because we're praying every day that God would seed truth into our lives. Without it, my life becomes insane and unmanageable. It's true. Verse 21. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. There he goes again. There he goes again. Hey, bring bring in a, a lamp to a room. Don't cover it up. Let people see it. If you get it, you get it. Right? Yeah, y'all, like, that's how I feel about your preaching right now. Um, Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. That, that, That doesn't seem fair, right? But listen, the truth of God in our lives truth of God that comes from his word, from the Holy Spirit, and from each other, speaking it to each other on a daily basis, shines like a lamp in a dark room. And what does that do? It exposes everything in that room. It exposes everything in that dark place. It exposes everything in dark places. So just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep seating, exposes sin in our lives. And we desire, we all have a desire to live, and there's this forever tension between grace, we talk about grace a lot, right? We talk about that God has given us grace, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what you are doing, it doesn't matter what you will do, God's grace covers you, and and, and so on. But today we're talking about truth, and how do those things fit together? Because truth says that I'm a sinner, I mess up, I screw up, right? Right? But grace says that's covered. I'm going to steal a little thunder from, uh, if you were here on Wednesday, Wednesday Waypoint, awesome. It was great. We loved it. Um, It was a good turnout, uh, but the study was sweet. Love, 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 love. And we're going to go dig into that more. If you weren't here, be here. We want you here because it's going to be an awesome study. But I'm going to steal the thunder a little bit from week five, I think it is, because he talks about The fact that in Jesus is the full embodiment of both grace and truth. So often, a lot of us, we want to live in one or the other. And and depending on how you grew up, you might have grown up where it was all truth, 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 truth. Do this, don't do that. Lists, right? Do this, don't do that, okay? Or it was all grace. Hey, God's going to forgive me anyway. I can do whatever I want and get away with it because, hey, God forgave me. That gave me pleasure in this world, in this life right now, so I'm going to do it, and I'm going to ask for forgiveness, all all is going to be good, right? But that's not where Jesus sits, 
And that's not where Scripture sits. Scripture sits perfectly embodied in Jesus Christ is grace and truth. And so when we look in John chapter 8, there's a story of this, this prostitute who, um, by law, right, should have been stoned. And so the Pharisees are standing there saying, Jesus, we got to stone this girl. Jesus steps in in front of her, writes something in the sand. We have no idea what he writes in the sand. But he writes something in the sand and then he says to them, hey, if any of you with the stones in your hand, if you have never sinned, go ahead, throw it. And he backs away. Throw the first stone. And if they had thrown the stone, what would they have been doing? They would have been lying right to Jesus. And Jesus would have called them on it, right? He'd have been saying, hey, remember that thought you had? Yeah, my father knows that, right? Remember when you did not love those unlovable people? Yeah, my father knows that, right? And so they all put their stones down. And then he looks at the woman and he says, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Women, woman, where are they? Has anyone condemned you? No, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go and leave your life of sin. See, grace says, I don't condemn you. I'm the only one in the universe that is allowed to condemn you because I'm the only one without sin. So I could, and I could justly and rightly condemn you. I got the right to do that. Those guys, they don't, but I do. I've got the right, but I don't condemn you. See, a lot of times in our lives, we, we almost expect to be condemned. That's what guilt is. The expectation of condemnation for the things you do that are wrong, that's what guilt is. But grace says, I don't condemn you. And then truth says, go and leave your life of sin. Listen, listen. I love you and I don't condemn you and here's my grace. But the truth is that your sin is destructive. So leave it. Leave your life of sin because I want you to live an abundant life. I want you to live a life of sanity. I did not die, or I'm not going to die in that moment. God didn't send Jesus to die so we could feel guilty all the time. He sent Jesus to die so we could live lives based on truth, insanity, in space, sanity, and then we have peace through God and hope for the future, right? Even when life is hard, even when life stink, stinks, truth exposes sin and grace allows us to get back up and live again. The grace you give to give a man is to give him grace to live again. I think that's those lyrics, and I love them. Verse 24. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. See, God wants to seed truth into your life. And we want to beg God to seed truth into our lives. I want you to see it like this. You leave here, or you think back to a situation that happened this last week that just seemed insane to you. 
It just seemed like everything was out of control, right? And Satan's feeding you lies. Satan's feeding you lies. Satan's feeding you lies. Think of that situation or the next situation that happens to you as a parable. Because all of the stories of life, they happen. And when we tell them to people, they make sense to people. But God wants you to seek the truth behind what he is trying to teach you in a hard moment, in an insane moment. When everything is out of control, that moment becomes a parable in your life and God wants to use it. A stubborn heart will look at that situation in life and then go and try to figure it out themselves, right? I mean, Tim talked about it last week. All the things that he tried to do to fix his own issues, You can't do that because all you'll do is you'll keep running, you'll keep running, you'll keep running, you'll keep running, and you're just going to look beat up and tired. That's all that's going to happen. A stubborn heart does not allow circumstances in life to teach them what God wants to use it to teach them, but a heart that is soft, a heart after God, seeks truth. We can look at good situations or bad situations in our life, and everything is in perspective, because we live based on the truth. We can either seek God in his truth, and he'll seed more of it into our lives. We will be mature, and we'll be able to handle the hard things in life better as we mature, but we need to ask God for truth. We need to beg him for truth, or we won't take heart to God's truth, And Satan, he'll come, and he'll steal away whatever little bit is there. He'll steal it away, and you'll live an insane life. The most abundant life that we can live is a life in light of God's truth. God, just keep seeding. Please, just keep seeding. Now we move to line two. Trust me, this part's not as long. We move to our response. God's command to us, just keep seeding. See, we often obsess in our lives about the right way to throw truth out to everybody, and then we don't do it because we obsess so much that the way we're doing it is not right, right? It doesn't make sense. God says, just live your life. Just live your life and be a follower of Jesus. Just let it come out. Don't hold it back. Take the cap off and just let it come out. You love Jesus, you love Jesus, you love Jesus, follow hard after him, and it's just going to overflow. It's just going to come out. Okay, you won't be able to help it. Don't stop it. Verse 26. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All All by itself, the seed, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head then the full kernel in the head. And soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. You see, it's not our job. It's not your job. It's not my job to save someone's soul. So get it out of your head. I'm going to say it again. It is not your job to save someone's soul. You can't. It's impossible. It's God's job. Because why? Romans, it's the power of God for salvation, right? So don't be ashamed 
of what God has done in your life, just let it come out. Let it be seen. Don't flaunt it, but just let it be natural. Let it come out in your life. You'll plant seeds. You'll throw them here and there. You'll feed truth to people, and you will have no idea what God wants to do with those seeds you plant. But if you don't plant those seeds, there's, there's nothing for God to water. I mean, the Holy Spirit could do whatever he wants, and he's going to change people's lives. But we've got to plant seeds and then just let God be God. Verse 30. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. With such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shades. See, the kingdom of God started really small. With Jesus' humble birth. But the kingdom of God, our mission, leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is going to grow exponentially when God's people take that command seriously. Just keep seeding. Just keep seeding. And so that becomes circular. That right there is circular. Just keep seeding, just keep seeding, and you go back and sing it again, right? Because when we desire God's seeding truth into our lives and he does it, a result of that is, oh, thank you, God. Boom, and it just comes out. It comes out all over the place. And sometimes it's messy and it's muddy and it's dirty. And you get messy and muddy and dirty all over other people around you, but at least you threw some mud, right? At least you threw a seed at somebody. You might hit them in the eye and it'll hurt a while, but at least you threw it, right? You didn't hold it back because you were afraid of hurting somebody. I'm not saying that not to be strategic, but throw it out there. Throw it out there. And then you see what God waters, you see how it grows. And then you go back and you say, God, I want more. I want more. Please seed more truth into my life. Teach me from your word. Use this community to teach me, to grow me, to help me live a sane life. And then you throw some more. And then you desire more. And then you throw some more. And then you desire more. And it's big and it's circular and it works. And you grow into a mature follower of Jesus able to live a sane life because you love the truth because you are seeking truth in Jesus Christ ultimately the kingdom of God because we just keep seeding is going to grow into the huge garden plant this doesn't sound very glamorous, but that's what it said, into a huge plant that people of all kinds can rest, serenity, rest, peace in the arms of God's kingdom because we're full of truth, right? Jesus says, Tim, you guys can come back up, but Jesus says, I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way that we are going to desire more of what God has to offer 
the only way that we're going to desire more truth in Jesus' name is to start here. To start here at the cross. And, and Jesus, when he was with his disciples, tells us to take the, the, the wine, to take the bread, and to remember him. His body broken for us, his blood spilt for us, because that is ultimate truth. That is salvation. There is only one salvation. We sang it last week. There's only one salvation. And because of that salvation, we believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit who's given us new life. And so as we sing through these songs, take time to come up to these tables. There's two in the front, one in the back. And if you're here and you're just like, man, I, I don't our relationship with Jesus is not real. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. My life feels just insane right now. All the decisions I make, I feel like I'm getting nowhere with them. Beg God in this moment as you look at what Jesus did for you, that he did that so that you could live a sane and abundant life based on the truth. So we beg God, Father, you love us. We know that. Just keep seeding truth. Make your word real to me and make this community a place of honesty and truth. And God, when you do that, I'm going to go and I'm going to live my life and it's just going to come out and I'm just going to keep seeding as well. God, we love you. And we need you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he died for us. We thank you that it was not in vain. We thank you that we have hope in Jesus' name for heaven someday. But we also have hope here that you've allowed us in the midst of an insane and dark world to live sane lives. When bad things or good things happen, we want to make decisions based on your truth. So just keep seeding. Just keep seeding. We love you, God. pray that as we sing a, sing a broken holy, a broken hallelujah, God, that you would um, use truth to transform our lives. God, I pray that this would be a community of people that opens up and is honest and um, feeds truth into each other's lives. Father, we need you. We want to worship you with our lives and see what is good about you and, and everything in life falls into perspective. Help us to live sane lives based on your truth. We need you and we love you, God, in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks for coming. Worship with us more tonight, 7 o'clock, Creekside Live. See you.